Plumagee, when someone that we know is in need of uh, some kind of healing or in some urgent situation, what is the best way to pray for that person and how effective is that prayer? The best way is to feel that God is in them. But you know, you can help to heal other people too. You can send them energy and it's the energy finally that cures. Our physical body is really only a manifestation of energy and the more we're aware of energy, the more we can channel that energy to other people. I think that a hundred years from now, give or take a few hundred, a few dozen or whatever, mm -hmm. that people are going to look at modern medicine as sort of shamanism. Mm -hmm. It won't seem, it'll seem primitive because people will understand that this body is energy and that it takes energy far more than pills and things to cure you. And uh, so I think the main thing is to pray for them to be healed if it be God's will. Because remember that sometimes the sorrows that we go through, the physical pains that we go through are good for us. I know, for example, I met a young woman in India many years ago. At the age of nine, she told her parents, I'm going to go into silence. And she didn't come out of her room from then on. They would leave food by her door. You couldn't do that in America, but in India, I guess it's possible. Anyway, uh, she would cure people. And uh, I saw her at the age of 19. Her body was still that of a young girl. It hadn't developed breasts or anything. And uh, she, uh, two weeks after I saw her, she, she was seen before Krishna and weeping and she left her body. Anyway, the point I'm coming to is that she healed many people, but her father was very chronically ill and they kept pleading with her to heal her father. She said, no, I can't do it. God doesn't let me. And they finally put, it to, put her in such a position that she had to, said that you're prejudiced, you're against your own father kind of thing. She said, well, you'll see what happens. The illness turned out to have been the necessary impediment to him to live a debauched life. And when he became well, he began living a debauched life and he fell spiritually. So that illness was a necessary shackle on his feet, you might say. So you don't know whether sometimes an illness is a blessing. Sometimes the sufferings that you go through help you to get rid of your karma. And so there were many people who came to Christ who were not healed. We're told about the people who were healed, but there were many who were not, and it was not right for them. Sometimes a, a uh, illness is not taken away from you for good reason. So I was to finish that, yeah. you should ask God to heal them if it be his will. Yeah. Swamiji, modern medicine has now made it possible for people to sort of get stuck in this kind of limbo place where they're not really conscious, but their body is still alive. They're not able to really experience much of anything consciously, but they're stuck in the body toward the end of life because of advances in technology. And sometimes they want, they would rather end that life if, if needs be forcibly. Um, 
Is it still helpful for people to hang on in a situation like that? They may be I don't think so. I know my own father is a good case of that. He had a heart attack, and I visited him in the hospital. He said, I've had a good life. I'm ready to leave. But with heroic efforts, as they call it, they saved his life. He had a year of unhappiness. He couldn't see, he couldn't smell, he couldn't taste, he couldn't feel. I mean, he could see a little bit, he could feel a little bit. But it was a limbo existence. He didn't enjoy it at all. You know, I had an experience when he left his body. He came to me and I could feel his spirit the same as I'd known it when he was a young man and I was a little child, full of energy and enthusiasm and so on. But as he got older, he became sort of cynical and bitter and unhappy with life. And... Uh, when I knew him, he was, he was just a shell. It didn't help him to have to live that way. Maybe he feels finished off a bit of bad karma, but I have told anybody who has anything to do with my health care, don't go to heroic measures. Let me go when it's time to go. I'm not afraid of death. Rather, I look forward to it. So no, don't go to those heroic measures. I think it's meddling with karma. Omaji, um, is suicide ever uh, appropriate or helpful? If you're committing suicide to save other people, that's not suicide, that's sacrifice. But suicide in the sense of wanting to get away from it all, suicide in the sense of wanting to destroy your body because it's suffering too much, this is a sin. It's worse than murder, because word, murder is killing somebody who is at least not you. Whereas when you kill yourself, you're affirming the end of life itself. Suicide is not right. It's a wrong, and uh, it can take many lifetimes to get out of that wrong. You may find that when you want to come back, you can't come back. Mm -hmm. And finally you come back and you're still born. And then again you come back and you may die when you're still very young. Finally you get to live and you have insomnia all your life. These are things that you have to go through in order to learn that life is a precious gift and we must live it as well as we can while we're here. So but to jump school is to be thrown back in the same grade <laughs> or a lower grade. So even <clears throat> assisted suicide in the case of someone who's just hooked up to machines and... and uh, that's different. I, I can't say. I'd have to see the individual case. Well, I mean, uh, in terms of healing, we were speaking of sending energy to someone, if it be God's will that they be healed. Is it helpful to visualize, so someone has a cancer or someone has some particular malady, um, is it helpful to visualize a particular result for that person? Uh, I would say, think of that cancer in light. Where that light is, no darkness can be. Yogananda told the story of a man who had diabetes so badly, he had to get up and relieve himself every, I think it's 15 minutes. And uh, he was praying, God, come into this broken temple. And gradually with discipline, he was able to sit longer and longer and longer. And finally, he could sit 18 hours a day meditating. And uh, 
Then suddenly the light came and filled him, and he found himself cured. And he said, Lord, I didn't ask you to cure me. I only asked that you come into this broken temple. And the answer came to him, where my light is, there no darkness can be. So if you pray for that light to be there and visualize that in light, this can be a good thing. Are our p prayers for others effective? Are we depends on it depends on your your faith, on your concentration. I know my cousin uh, Marge, when she was young and had her first child, it had some sort of defect, and it didn't seem it seemed as if it might die. And she said, "I prayed as intensely as I've ever prayed in my life." And still I was worried about the milkman, whether he was bringing enough milk to the door, what I would make for dinner for my husband. And I could not help myself, and I was so furious with myself, but I had no control over my mind. So certainly if you pray with concentration, your prayers have much more effectiveness than they do if you're praying at the same time, wondering what to do after prayer and so on. It depends on you. Yogananda told a story about the, the monkey mind. Yeah. Can you share that story? Well, it's a good story. This man came to a saint, and he was very restless and kept fidgeting around. And He asked the saint to teach him to meditate, and the saint said, gladly. And he said, all you have to do is um, uh, chant Om. And the man said, well, that's simple enough. And he headed for the door, just as he was at the door, they said, oh, by the way, you must not think, one thing you must not do while you're doing this, don't think about monkeys. Oh, that's ridiculous, and everything's about monkeys. <laughs> so he went home, and the first thing he did was start thinking about monkeys. <laughs> he thought, well, I'm not supposed to think about monkeys, so he couldn't help thinking about them. <laughs> Finally, ended up going to dictionaries and encyclopedias, <laughs> finding about the different kinds of monkeys. He came back to the saint the next day. He said, Master, take your technique away. It's killing me. <laughs> and uh, so the saint had a good laugh over him. He said, you've got to learn to control your own mind before you can do this thing effectively. And how do we do that? Well, by techniques, by love, by devotion. When you want something, you can't help thinking about it. And so if you have devotion, that's a great and very important thing. Swami, sometimes people will say or have the experience that it's easier to meditate in a group, more difficult to do it on their own. I'd say if the group is meditating, but if you're... <laughs> but, if they, but if they have that experience, how can they develop more strength on their own, in their own life? Well, you know, there's a magnetism that comes in a group. And... Uh, if you join groups that are seriously trying to meditate, that is helpful. But on your own, if you have your own space where you do nothing but meditate, so that every time you go into that place, there's the vibration of meditation which helps you. Another thing is if you will meditate at the same times every day, so that when the time comes to meditate, you'll have that desire to meditate, especially at certain times of the day, when the sun rises, at noon, when the sun sets, and at midnight. These are the four times when the sun changes direction, and it can help you
to go deeper. That's why the twilight period is sort of a silent scheme. It seems to come over nature. So certain times, certain places, being with people, but if you're alone, then make it a place where you only meditate. You'll find it much easier. Or to go to places where people do meditate, like going to a church and try to feel God there is easier than trying to meditate in your own kitchen. But you can find that uh, when you go to places that have, even when people are not there, if they meditate, those vibrations are left behind. You can feel the vibrations of places. That's why in the dining room you find you're more likely to get hungry than in the living room. And uh, in your meditation room, the same thing will be true. Where you go to sleep, if you sleep always in the same place, you'll find it easier to sleep there. So when you meditate in a place, it'll be easier to meditate there too.